Oh, hi. Welcome to Crying in the Book Club, the hit new podcast where three emotional friends talk about comics books that make them emotional. Um, I'm Alex. I'm not emotional. That's uh, Jean-Luc you heard there. You know, I like it. So we, we came together, you know, a little show called The Comics Podcast originally. 284 episodes. We were all on it. There were like three foiled assassination attempts by a former co-host who's not on this show, I will say. You know, we, we figured that out after the third one. We're like, you know what? We're not going to have him on. Um, but I'm glad the interrupting's here because that, that was a staple of the comics oh, podcast. Oh, yeah. We kept sure. the, we kept, I kept the best bit from the comics podcast, which is interrupting the host in the middle of the intro. And I'm happy to be here to replace Chad. <laughs> no, that's Emily. Um, and yeah. yeah, it's funny because Jean-Luc was the, uh, the host who was always getting interrupted, and now he's first episode interrupted. Um, so, wow. This is Jean-Luc's revenge. What a start. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, my my revenge against someone not on this show, but yeah, who you have no ill things towards other than me. Hand in a lovable hand. So this is our karaoke podcast. Cut that. Cut that. <laughs> We're not keeping that in. We're not cutting anything. That's how we flow on this show. Um, but you know, this is our first episode of Crying in the Book Club, and uh, a, a bit more, I guess, about us. Uh, I'm Alex. I used to be a video game journalist before I was set free. But I wasn't completely set free because now I'm doing like video game PR. So it's like, ah, he's free, but sounds worse. Still in a cage. Yeah, I play less games, which is actually good. Um, but yeah. And, uh, you know, you heard the voice of Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc, who are you? I don't know. I'm, I'm a guy with a podcast, much like other much like all the other 20 something guys with podcasts. I don't know. We're it's cool. You can say that again. It is cool. I can say that again. Yeah. And that made you sad? But I'm I'm one of the few guys with podcasts that's you know read Watchmen uh, upwards of ten times, so you know <laughs> makes me uniquely qualified for. You, know, you will get to that for, for sure this, for this show. <laughs> wow, what a spoiler! I guess if they read the title. Yeah. I, I love when podcast hosts are like, "Oh wait, they're gonna read the title." Damn! So we did that. We checked that off. Yeah. Very exciting, Emily. What what's up with you? Um, uh, I'm I'm good. Uh, yeah. I'm also uh, a podcaster, I guess, to introduce me, uh, and I'm friends with the two of you, and I'm excited to. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited Ooh, to be talking to you sure again. About that. I, I'm look, friends with you. I look. I know. I didn't sound very sure about that, but I'm. I'm excited to be talking to you again because I have missed the two of you so dearly, even though we do technically talk online sometimes. It's just mm -hmm. not, it's not the same. As, you know, two and a half years of, of COVID have shown. Yeah, it's exactly. The same. Times are changing. <laughs> so oh, so yeah. we're going to talk about Watchmen. Um, what, what's Watchmen? Alex, what's Watchmen? Who cares what Watchmen is? You know what? No, Watchmen I sucks. care. I, you know, every episode could be a person's first episode. What's Watchmen? Well, before we get to that, uh, <laughs> I just want to say, like, we wanted to do this show because we were sick of reading the weekly comics, the monthly comics. And we're That's like, you know true. what? We're burnt out. It's been 284 episodes. Like, we've read probably upwards of 100 issues of Batman. 
way more than that probably so many kind of sad to say in, in the iterations but it's like hey, what so if it- many <laughs> i didn't partake in that for the most part so yeah me and okay me and but old Chadley, so many too many i uh, that you know i'm happier now i'm happier now but we thought hey like why don't we why don't we do actual like full stories in, in graphic novel format which we did a bit we did some book club episodes but uh this whole show is going to be like hey Read Watchmen for the show. That's all you got to do. You don't have to read Doomsday Clock, watch the TV show, watch the movies, read before Watchmen, but you can, and some of us did. Um, but yeah, Watchmen. How can you not start on Watchmen when you're doing a comic show? Because it's like, you know, widely considered to be the greatest graphic novel of all time. Is that, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I've definitely heard that before. So some some might say that some might say such things, yeah. We we might say it later. Who knows? But it- some some people might believe this. It, yes. <laughs> if I uh, if I just wanted to kickstart some discussion here, I wrote in our notes that didn't Watchmen kind of contribute to the existence of the term graphic novel to begin yeah, with do you want to do you want a history lesson i i, didn't really... <laughs> I mean i don't like i don't actually have like a i don't have like yeah. a history lesson no, it's I just actually like think it's i actually think it's useful to like situate watchmen in the context that it came out in because yeah. it has been so diluted uh much to some purists chagrin yeah uh in the years since by <laughs> You know, some fucking hack direct directors of film and television, <laughs> well, and some of we'll the worst there. comic book writers to to operate but, uh, in the modern era. But uh, go ahead. Oh, I just I think that it's interesting. Like, graphic novel is sort of a ubiquitous term, especially in 2022 as we exist right now. But like, that was not always a term applied to comics and like the advent of these like stories that could just sort of be like wrapped up by a a single story designation really impacted like the use of the term graphic novel and Watchmen was one mm-hmm. of these. I mean, there's really two, and it's it's Watchmen and it's the Dark Frank Miller's uh, The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, same year. absolutely. Same year. Yeah. Um, I, I think you know if you were to actually go back, you would probably find that The Dark Knight Returns is actually the originator of that, like the the originator of that term. Yeah, um, but when but, we when we tend to think of graphic novels, we tend to think of like. Stuff that's not necessarily, I mean, like, this might seem kind of funny to say in terms of Watchmen, but, like, stuff that's not cape comics, you tend to think of, like, more independent, you you tend to think of more independent work, and even though Watchmen is technically, like, a DC comic, like, for a long time, it was more considered, like, a an independent like franchise world yeah Yeah, well yeah and so the reason for like the 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 story that that gets to watchman is real is is i actually think kind of interesting one yeah Um, it stems from like basically in the early to mid 1980s like comic books superhero comic books as 
you know, had been in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Uh, were sort of starting to fall out of favor. Like sales were dropping at DC um, and, and, and at Marvel. But as tends to be the case, like DC always gets hits harder, gets hit harder than Marvel does when it comes to, to sales drops. Um, and so they were like the editors at DC were sort of looking for a new market of people, a new demographic of people to sell comic books to. And really this trend kicks off a couple years earlier with a different Alan Moore comic, which is saga of the swamp thing. Um, yeah, that's right. Which they, yeah. Uh, which really kicks off their, their entr- quote unquote entrance into the quote unquote adult market. If you want to call it that, um, because they stopped uh, submitting saga of the swamp thing to the comics code authority. Um, so it stopped as, you know, I think for, for a comic book like that, uh, would not have been approved by the comics code authority. Yeah. The comics code authority is its own entire podcast episode, but yeah, it, it really is. But as such, you know, you couldn't really sell saga of the swamp thing to children because it, it wasn't approved by the comics code authority. Um, and saga of the swamp thing was like beloved and, and is still beloved and is, you know, a, pretty good it's a fantastic phenomenal <laughs> it's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal piece of work i i love saga of the swan thing i i think it its stature uh in comics history is like totally warranted mm-hmm. um and then it it came you know in 1985 with they they wanted to start you know really intentionally appealing to to the adult market uh with books like the dark knight returns and watchmen which were these sort of re- reimaginations of, you know, what the horizons of Cape comics could be. Um, and, it, you know, it, it's interesting. There's a, there's a quote from uh, Watchmen artist Dave Gibbons where he talks about, uh, and this was as Watchmen was coming out, uh, how he viewed, he and more viewed Watchmen not as something that, you know, should be a template for like all comics in the future, but just, you know, this is, you know, we can expand superheroes beyond the golly gosh, gee whiz. I mean, this is coming out of the, this is coming out of the gold, silver and bronze age. I mean, this is contemporary with a number of other books that, you know, still had that tone to them. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, like Wolfman Perez's Titans was coming out at this time. And that was, you know, for as acclaimed as that is, it is still, you know, it's very golly gee, Buster, yeah, you know, it's, it's that. Well, it's I mean, Watchmen was supposed to be actual like Kate comics characters. Initially, it was. Um, it was supposed to be. Oh God, and Alex, do you remember the, the Charlton the Charlton characters? Yeah, so yeah. You got, yeah. Like, the Blue Beetle, the uh, you know, like all all the, the all the Captain, Captain Adam. Adam, yeah, and then DC, the very obvious, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, like it's those characters. barely like, disguised. DC said you can't use these characters, but they didn't say you couldn't rip them off. And Alan Moore's like, sick. Awesome. So Let's it's do it. actually what, what's interesting about that story, and I, I found this out while I was doing some you know research for this episode, is that it wasn't so much like you know a DC mandate that like they didn't want these characters to be, those characters to be used in that mm-hmm. way. It yeah. was specifically the Watchmen editor had come over from Charlton Comics and 
had like worked on those characters and overseen those characters and had a soft spot for them oh. uh, and didn't want them to be involved in like a murder mystery that painted the question as a right wing oh, fanatic see. that could then you know never be used again. Yeah, okay. yeah, we, you know what? That's at the time. That's fair. That's very fair uh, too. Um, uh, it, it's funny too because like uh, I was reading the I think it's like the deluxe edition, but it has like an Alan Moore you know essay at the end, and he talks about how he was also just like fed up with continuity in comics and how like oh god if we want to use Superman we got to talk to the Superman editor and it can't be at the same time as this guy's using it. So yeah. he wanted to. Mm like take over a full continuity that he could do whatever he wanted with with all the characters in it and just like create that um which i think watchman's really cool because it it really does create this world in 12 issues that feels like a full like dc universe with, mm -hmm. like you know stories that happened before stories that are you know happening after and all these cool characters and stuff uh, which is you know why so many um shitty things came out before and after uh, <laughs> that other people not alan moore did because there but because there was so much potential in those things in the story and the stories that were going um but but we didn't really say it but uh, it, it was released over 12 issues uh, yeah. from 1986 to 1987 and um it is I, I think it's claim to fame the thing that i heard about it f first was it's the it's one of time magazine's 100 best novels and that was Ooh. a big thing and, and is a big thing, I guess, because it's yeah. like it's kind of like the go to example for the idea that graphic novels can be as profound as like just written word novels. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's less impactful. Like, I think 15 years ago, it was way more impactful where it's like, hey, take our comics seriously. They're really good. And I think now, like, the the thing has sort of changed where people aren't like, yo, Watchmen, it's really good because there's so many things out there now that people can point to and things. Yeah. I, I, and not that there wasn't great stuff then, too, but that was, I remember that being a big deal. Well, um, the, the cultural zeitgeist has changed. Like, at the point that we're in now, like, comic book inspired movies are the most popular movies in popular culture. Like, yeah. you yeah. don't have to convince people that reading a comic book can be worth their while. Well. Well, okay. I say that, but. People are happy to go see Marvel movies and way less happy to go, you know, buy a Hawkeye trade. That's also true. Them. And I'm willing to admit that uh, that statement I made was a bit shooting from the hip and not yeah. <laughs> not entirely encompassing of what i meant i will say though to your your point about the zeitgeist i mean watchmen really changed the zeitgeist right like mm -hmm. it is the it is you can trace a direct line from you know virtually dc comics entire current line mm -hmm. and their entire current line for the last two decades well, back, well, back to Watchmen. And, I mean, and, and not in the sense that, like, they tried to let Tom King write a Rorschach miniseries. I mean, like, literally, <laughs> totally oh, I forgot about that. what the horizons of, like, superhero characters could be. Because what made, I think, Alan Moore so compelling as a writer coming into, and, and, and not to, you know, talk up Alan Moore too much, because there were certainly a lot of great comic book writers that came before Alan Moore, that were contemporaries with Alan Moore, um... But Alan Moore and, and 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 I have to I have to hand it to Frank Miller in this case. But Alan Moore <laughs> and Frank Miller really blew the doors off at Marvel and DC in terms of mm -hmm. expanding what comics could be. And mm -hmm. Alan Moore in particular uh, did so by 
taking the iconography of the superhero in Watchmen and completely reinventing what that could be because up to this point you know you had it's it's this classic struggle between good versus evil and then yeah. you had the the sort of like stanley marvel model that was very popular of like you know it's good versus evil but you know these characters are real people they have they don't really have like full internal struggles but they have interpersonal conflicts yeah mm-hmm. a lot of the conflicts are divorced from them you know, you know, it's not spider. It's not the conflict isn't necessarily Spider Man fighting Green Goblin. It's yeah. can Spider Man pay his rent. But at the end of the day, it's still this diametric sort of. It, the conflict is still diametric. These yeah. characters don't have full interiority. And I think and we'll get to this. I'm sure when we when we sort of start talking oh, yeah, about yeah. the plot and the and the issues yeah. and, and the characters. But there is an interiority to the cast of Watchmen, and and almost more importantly to the world of Watchmen. Um, that that Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons put together for this. Mm. I would uh, give some credit book. to um, uh, what Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams did with their Green Green Lantern Green Arrow one, and not in the same way because that was still like it was a it was a groundbreaking thing at the time where like hey they're like going around America and dealing with like issues like racism and stuff like that, and it's not necessarily like hey you can't like punch racism in the face right? It's not like a thing. It's like it, it added a bit of more like gray area and like realness to yeah. it, but it was still like a. I wouldn't say it can't be comic, but like, you know, compared to Watchmen. Um, yeah. And I, and I, 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 I try to foreground all of this by saying that I, I don't mean to take away anything from, you know, creators that came before. I, I, I don't pretend that Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, you know, invented good superhero comics, yeah. but they certainly, you know, they, Perfected really, it. <laughs> they okay, I'm not saying that, but they certainly, you know, they, they did really change what the, it was a paradigm shift. I mean, I, mm. I, I can't necessarily speak specifically to the to the Denny O'Neill Green Arrow Green Lantern run um, because I haven't read it. But but my impression of of that has always been that it is still. Oh, but we will oh, because we will. it's on we our list. Be, We've been renewed. Wow. But, you know, my impression of that is still. You know, I and and this could be. We'll, we'll see. I may be totally wrong, but when I think of that run, I just think of the the cover of Speedy shooting up on the cover and and Green Arrow with his hands on his head, you know, with an exaggerated <laughs> gasp on his face, like, how could you be doing heroin or how or speed or speeding speed, on speed, speed yeah. on speed. If, if they didn't do that, they should have like DC, <laughs> oh DC God. editors. Come on, call us. Yeah. Um, but, but, but anyway, I guess I, I'm, I, I'm really only familiar with that run of comics from the fact that we were going to do them for the show. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I think the thing is that like Watchmen was obviously so impactful and we'll talk about, you know, the positives and the many negatives of, you know, people, different interpretations of what made Watchmen so great and sort of the lessons taken from that. Uh, but first, I'm going to give a little just a little summary of it. Sort yeah. of what's, what's yeah, going into level, it. Yeah. High level summary of the, yeah. of the, of the Watchmen. What's, what, what's that Watchmen thing about? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, it takes place in an alternate history uh, where superheroes emerged in the 1940s which is the same time as the golden age of comics and 1960s. So there were two big, you know, superhero things, which is the golden and silver age, which is a nice meta thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, and their presence changed history. So the U S actually won the Vietnam war and the Watergate scandal never happened. Um, so it's 1985 and the U S is edging towards world war three with the Soviet union, mostly. And superheroes have been outlawed. Uh, those that remain like the comedian work for the government or like the vigilante Rorschach exist on their own. And like many good stories, Watchmen begins with a murder and ends with a whole lot more murder. So 
Um, <laughs> yeah, it's you know we've talked about it. Commonly is it referred murder, to- though. Mm, well, 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 yes. Well, is it? Well, did they want to be? Like, anyway, I'm not. I'm not answering that yes. question. <laughs> Uh, so it's you know it's commonly referred as one of the greatest graphic novels of all time. But uh, Emily, what was your first experience with Watchmen? Oh, this is a. Uh, it's interesting that I'm the first person to be put on the spot here. Okay, so my first experience. Age order. So. Wait, we're going in age yeah. order. Okay, yeah, yeah, I am the oldest. Uh... Chad goes first. <laughs> <laughs> our first cry space is here. shut the fuck up john luke oh <laughs> uh, that was that was me chad but, no uh, i know I, but <laughs> i don't have a shut the fuck up alex i didn't anticipate that so i didn't ask him <laughs> to record that oh, well I'll, always nice to have you on chad but uh oh you're walking out okay all right uh, my first experience with watchmen okay so i as a young person went to an academic summer camp at the university of uh vanderbilt university in nashville tennessee this story already owns so hard as a part of this summer camp a class that i took one year was adaptations of comic books and so for this class, I had to read and also watch. I had to read the book Watchmen, the comic book Watchmen, and then watch the the movie. And I was like, God, I was probably like 14. I was a fucking idiot. Like, Jesus. it was it was really like it was really dumb that I was reading this book at this age and like being put in a position to like try to make sense of this uh and actually i don't even remember if the watchman movie was out at that time uh maybe it was maybe it had just come out and that's how we watched it but like i reading Watchmen now I I mean we'll get into this more but reading Watchmen now I understood so many things more than I did when I attempted to read it the first time and sure. uh I I liked Watchmen when I read it as a a wee child I still liked it but in a much different way is this the first time you've revisited it yeah whoa wow okay i just had never like i don't know like i figure you know it's watchmen it's one of those like i mean it's one of those titans of the comic industry like there's so many other things that i need to read that i never thought Like Batman yeah. Hush. You're not a you're not a sicko like some people on this podcast. <laughs> I, I never I never considered like maybe I should revisit this and yeah. uh no, that's fair. I'm excited to get into the experience of revisiting. I want to hear about you guys though. Uh, Jean Luc, this is I mean, you've read it like ten times, but what was your first? What was your first indoctrination? Uh, for Washington? the record, Alex is older than me, so technically he should be going. Wait, next. is he really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Alex is like a full year older than me. Okay. Yeah. I'm the baby. Yeah, we were born on the same day, actually, but a year apart. Yeah. Yeah. That we're twins. Not, You're Irish not. twins. 
Well, Alex is Irish. That's a slander. <laughs> uh, that's a compliment. Um, oh, okay. I read what I don't. So I don't know how old I was when I read Watchmen for the first time. It was definitely before I was like reading comics. So I was oh. younger than 13. <laughs> um, I, I think I would have been 11 or 12 when I read it for the first time. Wow. That's um, very similar to mine. <laughs> because uh, I think it, my mom is an English teacher uh, and she had brought it home from the, it was from like we were on summer vacation and she'd brought it home from the public library and it had been sitting out and I just read it um, because it was sitting in the living room and I, I was want to just read stuff. That's amazing. When I was, when I was that age. Um, and so I read it not really knowing any of the, uh, like with no preconceived notions about like what it was um, and had no idea what I read, uh, <laughs> but read the whole thing, did not really understand what happened, um, didn't get any, any of the references. Um, I was like, th- I was like, Woodward and Bernstein were killed in a killed in a car crash. Who the fuck are Woodward and Bernstein? Are, are, are those those bears who have those adventures? Oh, <laughs> um, oh golly! So I had like I was like I don't know that was whatever I don't know I read that I don't get it and, and I came back to it of course you know yeah years years later after uh, I think it was a year later the, the 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 next summer vacation I watched the movie with my parents which was. <laughs> really a uh, really awkward well it was fine one scene in particular was really awkward and it's a uh, slow-mo uh, scene there's so one? much slow-mo in that film oh my god i watched yeah, it today there was, there was only one that i would say was like really rough to watch with my parents well, that i remember i, I, mean, I there's, haven't there's at least two scenes of like heterosexual coitus but the one, one in is the ship is definitely more. one is yeah. more significant than the other yeah the hallelujah one is the one that i'm <laughs> yeah um, and john luke can't listen to leonard cohen anymore so i listen to leonard cohen fairly frequently oh my. Um, my. but yeah and and, and 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 actually it's funny because the movie like the movie is so stupid that it actually allowed my my stupid brain to understand like the plot of Watchmen. No, actually, um, <laughs> you're no a hundred percent. I am right with you. Like, yeah. watching, I mean, I was I was twelve or thirteen though. Like, yeah, I and I mean, I would have been like I don't know, probably fifteen. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like we were at the prime age to absorb the Watchmen movie. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I watched really, it today for the really first time. I didn't like it necessarily. I, th- um, I, I mean, I don't know that I liked it, but I thought it was okay. I, I don't re- have I a different feeling now. I honestly don't know, remember. I couldn't honestly tell you what I thought about it because both of my parents, after it ended, I think both of them said something along the lines of, that is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and of course, being 12 or 13 at the time, I absorbed what my parents said as Wait, as so doctor. that's why you hate to watch the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Because yeah. me and Emily were messaging. We both watched it today. We're like, it's really good. Really <laughs> yeah, that's loop. exactly what we said. How does that happen? Um, yeah. But my, my first um, in, you know experience with Watchmen is similar to Jean-Luc, where I, 
and I guess Emily too, where I read it way too young, like way too young. I, it must have been like eleven or twelve, and I was reading my bat, my um Star Wars omnibuses, right? Uh huh. They're omnibuses, but um, I omnibuy. I, I like saying omnibuses. <laughs> omnibuy. Um, but yeah, and I guess I guess it it jumped out. It had like a, had blood on the cover a little well, bit. It's got a reputation. I don't know that. I don't know if that impacted. Either I don't think I, I I knew the reputation. I, I, I could barely I thought, read when I was eleven. Like <laughs> I thought, I thought superheroes were for stupid little babies. Uh, I had no <laughs> yeah, idea that reputation. Was. Absolutely tracks with like all yeah. of my knowledge of you, John Lee. <laughs> but but I like I got I it. I longer believe that, but at the time when I was eleven, I definitely believed that. John Luke likes Batman. No, I, Hush. I can one hundred percent see you as a very pretentious child. <laughs> yeah. If we had a time machine, we'd check it out. But um, yeah, I just remember like like my parents bought it for me. I guess they didn't look at the book. They're like, oh, it's 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 a comic book. Those are for kids. That's but very funny. Little did they know that it was one of Time Magazine's 100 best novels and could go places. You got um, an early head start on Time Magazine's 100 best <laughs> novels. I, I think it's the only one I've read. So <laughs> my copy came from the class that I took. Like. Because my parents paid for like the summer camp and the class, sure. like the books were included. So like I got like a big like graphic novel edition of Watchmen. Mm-hmm. So we just, all inadvertently got introduced to Watchmen because of our parents. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember like I remember key scenes that you, that stick with me, and it I, was like, like I remembered stuff. Reading it back for this, mm-hmm. like. There were scenes that I, like, remembered reading, but just with, like, new context. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, when I was a kid, I skipped all the prose. I skipped all of the, <laughs> all of the novels. Oh, I even skipped that damn... Too. Like, like when too, the comic dude. was going on at the same time, my small brain could not fathom that. Oh, it's like, wait, too, left, dude. right, the left, right? The shit confused me. I read it all, but it confused me so much. <laughs> That's like one of that is like probably the like thing that is at the front of my mind when I think about reading Watchmen for the first time is that I was like I had no idea that like a character in the comic was reading the Black Freighter and I remember getting to the end and being like wait so what happened with the Black because I was like oh this is gonna I, I I had thought like oh this is gonna like the Black Freighter is is coming it's a literal thing it's coming and so the way that I like explained it to myself at the end was that the giant tentacle monster oh that was the black freighter that was the black wow well that's even cooler (laughs) take notes alan Moore. you you thought that the the tentacle monster was the black freighter yeah yeah Yeah, that makes sense i'm gonna go find that on e621 you do that that's Um, my that's my last chad sound i'm sorry to say Thank you, Chad, for recording those. Those were, uh, those were great. Um, also, honestly, like that, those are two very things that Chad would say. So there we go. Um, and he said them. I, but I just remember, like, <laughs> I just remember, like, the scene. I think at the scene where Roshak gets like obliterated, and then uh-huh. like the like nudity thrown it was something that I was like, oh my god, I can't be reading this. But I read it, <laughs> and I and I I think I read it once, and then I think I read it one more time. Maybe I didn't, but I was like, oh, God, I can't be reading this. And I turned it into my parents. I was like, guys, this book that you guys bought for me, it's it's not okay. (laughs) Time Magazine, they call it one of its best novels, but 
I don't think you guys would approve. Oh, and then I never Alex. saw that copy again. Oh, wow. Oh, you yeah. precious baby. Uh, so I, I, I got a new copy of Watchmen that I got a few years ago. <laughs> oh, um, Alex. That's funny. And then, like, re- rereading it now, again, like, the black, like, it was, I, I had read it again since then. But this time I really took it slow with the prose and the, and the Black Brighter. And the first time I read it, too, I was like, man, this Rorschach guy is so cool. He's so great. Oh, my God. Oh, well, he died at the end. That was pretty sad. And I think that was, like, what, like, you know, Zack Snyder's experience was. Where he, like, read it oh as, like, a kid. Yeah. And then, like, went into it. Uh, and this time it's, I mean, and, and, and the previous times, it was it was really nice to read this book. And uh, for me, it really holds up as one of the greatest graphic novels of all time. Yeah, honestly, like, I didn't expect this book to hold up as well as it did rereading it. Like, you know, I guess I... You gotta have faith in, in my taste sometimes. Well, I just, you know... Coheating Cambria comic. <laughs> When it, I don't like those. <laughs> when it comes to comics, a lot of things that when you go back and reread them, they don't necessarily hold up. And mm-hmm. so I wasn't 100% sure how I was going to feel about Watchmen rereading it. But honestly, like, even, like, there's obviously stuff that doesn't hold up because it's a comic that was written, like, forever ago. Like, the, like, social mores have changed, like, drastically even within the past 10 years, much less the past 50 years. So, like, but still rereading Watchmen like it's still so good like I mean it's fascinating how prescient how prescient the book actually ends up being yeah politically yeah Um, hey Russia what are you doing over there yeah I don't don't know I don't know how much we want to you know just dive into that right off the bat but I mean there's I don't because I don't I don't even know where to to begin uh with it quite frankly mm-hmm. um the thing that like really clicked for me uh this reading um and and the, the, this is the great thing about watchmen is that something new ever I, I feel like every time i read it something some new thematic little thing or some little nugget in there clicks into place for me but the thing that really got me this time was the way that it handles conspiracy and uh, you know, conspiracy theories and, you know, the spread of conspiracy theories, but also uh, the ways that they're totally like disenfranchised because throughout the whole comic uh, Rorschach, you know, basically every other issue Rorschach goes to the newsstand to pick up his new issue of the new frontiersman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the new frontiersman is, I mean, it's, 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 it's for, for, for for all intents and purposes, it's it's a print media version of Breitbart or Stormfront yeah. or yeah. You know, whatever news. like insane right wing right wing publication. But the the thing that that hit me is that when you read and there's at the end of every issue, there's sort some sort of like in universe piece of of prose that's included, and one of them is a couple art- articles that are excerpts from. Uh, an issue of the Mason. New Frontiersman. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, 
in which the news frontiersman is actually right that the disappearance of all of these like artists and scientists is actually like they're actually connected and yeah they are actually they're connected and they're connected in a malevolent way uh <laughs> that is going to be turned on humanity uh in in a, in a really brutal fashion um of course they you know they're being uh siphoned away by by ozymandias to mm. contribute to building this the, the massive tentacle creature that he uses to kill half the population of new york city at the end of the comic <laughs> um and the new frontiersman is totally right about that like they're, they're right about about it but coming at it from such an insane angle yeah um, and this is true of rorschach as well where he is a dumb motherfucker uh <laughs> but because he is so stupid and single-minded he acts this it's like the broken clock is right twice a day he like mm-hmm. yeah. ends up being half right on on not you know though the whole like cape conspiracy is is he's his he's so tunnel vision on one thing that he can't see the bigger picture but this is the way that you know a lot of conspiracy theories everything from you know the jfk assassination which there's a lot of there's a lot of throwaway lines about yeah it's weird that Nixon was in Dallas on the day of the JFK assassination <laughs> which by the way that's a real fact uh, he he was there no one knows why well um, I mean the but like, the Watchmen movie absolutely a hundred percent attributes the JFK assassination to the comedian oh so does the book I mean there's that there's that scene I think in issue nine or ten. Um, the book alludes where, to it, but like the movie shows. It. Oh, the yeah, movie, he, the movie. Sh- there's like yeah, he's smiling yeah. and smoking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he's literally there. Yeah, but it is, it is, it is basically it, it, it's or not even basically the the it is in the text of the book. Yeah, like the um, the movie is it, not but, expounding upon much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, like just the way that, you know, that is a tool that is often used is like, oh, well, yeah. you know, you have to be an insane crank to believe these conspiracy theories, you know? Yeah. And it's sort of used to to malign people and, and, and push them to the edges and in the in the way that like people like Rorschach and, and Rorschach for all his failings, like is a person and and, and, and interestingly, Rorschach is the the closest in terms of his characterization to a traditional superhero in terms of like, he sees the world entirely in black and white. He never compromises. He, 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 there's no room for any kind of morality that isn't good or evil uh, in his mind, which is, it's so funny to me every time I read this book now that that is like the, like that's Superman, (laughs) you know, like from a like the sort of inverted in a way certainly but from a characterization (laughs) standpoint like the closest this book has to a superman is rorschach well Um, that's kind of the interesting thing about this book is that like they have taken these iconic superheroes and like sort of split them into different facets like like Batman is clearly like there is an element of Batman that is Night Owl, but there is also the element of Batman that is Rorschach and mm-hmm. Superman. Like you can, you know, draw arrows between like Ozymandias and uh, Doctor Manhattan. Doctor Manhattan. 
Yeah. I mean, Dr. Manhattan is a Captain Adam ripoff and Captain Adam is a Superman <laughs> ripoff. Yeah. So, you know, it's, but yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's those, the, the, the traditional superhero archetypes are, are definitely here. It's just that you really have a sense for, you know, these characters have interior interiority in a yeah. way that, you know, Batman or yeah. Superman at, at the time. And this is less true, still true, but to a lesser degree yeah. uh, today. But the, you know, they like night out. There's, there's so much more to, to night owl is like, mm. he is a person who, I mean, is he's an incredibly weak person, um, an incredibly depressed person who, you know, gets his rocks off on feeling powerful. And ever since he stopped being night owl, he, feels like a weak shadow of the man that he used to be um the only way like literally and this is one of the cornier elements of of watchman but literally the only way he can get his dick hard is to put the night owl costume on um which you know i I, well it it works for the character but and and, you know like all the characters have that where they have a lot like there's so much internal conflict to to yeah like i mean what what was so transgressive about Watchmen at the time was taking these archetypes of characters and treating them like real people. Yeah, because like you know, superheroes are. I mean, that's what that's what Garth Ennis would do to even more of an extreme <laughs> later on with the boys. Yeah. He said he he saw Watchmen and said, "What if that, but more?" Yeah. <laughs> but but also like. But also not grounded in the way that Watchmen is grounded because yeah. absolutely Watchmen is such a compelling alternate history because Alan Moore looks at it and goes, "Well, what if Superman was real?" It's just and, better. And and you know the the result of what if Superman was real is that you essentially have an even stronger American Empire that can crush everything in its path. Until and, Superman leaves, right? Like until <laughs> until he's gone, until, until the detente is gone, and how and, can, and that how, and that how doesn't can you hold maintain, sway over maintained. a Superman in real life? Like, yeah, how can you make sure he does that? And it, it's it's like on a meta level, this it's just such a loving. I mean, I would say loving look at like comic books and superheroes and all that kind of stuff. Where you know, like even in here it's like oh well you know the masks came out in the 40s and the 60s and it's like oh it's the it's the golden age that's the silver age and it's like all these characters all this rich history and it just going back to what alan moore said about like he wanted to create his own comic book continuity that he didn't have to worry about and the amount of like character he gives to people like night owl like ozymandias like mm-hmm. you know basically every character and every side character in this in this book uh it's 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 astounding and it's like he does it in 12 issues him 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 and dave gibbons it's It's a truly fully realized world like yeah when you leave watchmen you do feel like you have left like a fully developed existence Mm -hmm. yeah i mean everything down to like oh they can use electric cars because you know dr manhattan can just conjure up lithium you know it's it's like Mm -hmm. just everything like that and to Alex's point, I, which I think is a really compelling one. I mean, if there's one thing about like Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons is that it's that they fucking love this shit. Like oh, yeah. they love super, both of those guys are, they're guys who like love superhero comics. Um, and, and I mean, that is really the, the tragedy of Alan Moore almost not to go 
too much too far astray from Watchmen, but is that like <laughs> he's a guy who like it it was the thing that he loved the most and the industry absolutely spat in his face and destroyed him. I feel like uh, that's for ex- it. I feel like that's extremely relevant to <laughs> yeah. like yeah. Watchmen I mean, and the existence of Watchmen. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is they hadn't spat in his face at this point yet. At, no, at this no. point it was sure. this is like, you know, and and but but what they what they said about it at the time is really interesting. There's a quote from Dave Gibbons at the time where he said that, you know, he never wanted Watchmen to like narrow what comics could be. It was to go back to the like thing that we talked about at the beginning, it was always to broaden comics, to bring comics to a new audience, not to, mm-hmm. you know, do this. What ended up happening was to, to, was that it was a paradigm shift and that, you know, comics are now a thing that they weren't before tonally. And you can uh, have extreme violence. You can have, you know, you can, you, you can show like human genitalia. You can like, you know, right. you can do that. And, and, and yeah, and I mean, even even aside from like the those sort of like higher level things, like you know, the 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 whole the intent behind Watchmen was never to be like, you know, all superhero comics should be these like complex character studies with, yeah. with that are morally great. It's that it's more that you know superhero comics can be this, and exactly. in some cases should be this, but we shouldn't that that shouldn't be all that we do with superheroes. Exactly. Comics. And I don't want to I don't want to dumb it down to being like oh it's connected to DC and Marvel, but it's it's one of, it's like it's basically Watchmen is like a hey what if superheroes were in the real world? It's, yeah. it's, I mean, you know, it's that's literally what it. I mean that was yeah. literally the starting point yeah. was when when Alan Moore wrote his first script or started working on his first script for using the Charleston characters, like, mm-hmm. or Charleston characters, like, that's what it was. It was, what if these characters existed in yeah. a world that was more akin to ours? Yeah. And and what would the real ramifications of those be? Because, of course, yeah. you can have a book where Superman exists and everything happens, history unfolds exactly the same way, and yeah. Superman exists in that world. And it, it, that's and, literally the only thing that's different. And, and you that's, need to that's have fine, a love. But... You need to have a love for, like, you know, Golden and Silver Age superheroes and, like, that concept to, like, even... To be able to make this, like the, the amount of like nuance and stuff that's in it is people who like, you know what? We love superheroes. We know them. And this is like us bringing to the real world. Um, yeah. And to understand, but, like to, to like treat them with the, the sort of seriousness that it would mm-hmm. take to, you know, do the, the level of analysis that's required to be like to, yeah. to think about them in a way that is beyond the sort of like pulp stories. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that does demonstrate a real love for them. And it's no like, you know. It's it's no surprise then that like some of the people that would come after Alan Moore that were inspired by Alan Moore would be people in that who are in that same vein, you know, the Neil yeah. Gaiman. I mean, Neil Gaiman literally consulted on Watchmen. <laughs> well, yeah. consulted is a strong word. He he answered questions when Alan Moore called him up to have chats about them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, like he was involved, you know, he was involved in the creation of Watchmen and, and, mm. and none of his comics would have been possible if it weren't for, for yeah. Watchmen. Yeah, absolutely. Just breaking down that like, door. Mm-hmm. As well for like, for like, you know, you know the, the whole British invasion of comics. Exactly, it's, you know, yeah. It's more, yeah. It's, it's, it's all those people. Um, I mean, it's, so, there's a reason that people think of the modern age of comics starting the same year that Watchmen came out. You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like the book is basically, you know, not to, again... Dull it down into one thing, but it's it's a it's a whodunit. It's a murder mystery. Yeah. The comedian is. is murdered on the first page, and the rest of the book is basically, hey, who did it? With a lot of a lot of you know other stuff that's very very captivating. But yeah. but as, as as a murder mystery, Emily, how, how do you, how do you think it did? Did you 
I mean, you read it earlier, so like thing, but did you know who did it? Was it like, uh, how was that sort of experience? Well, I mean, I, when I read it the first time, I, okay, so admission of guilt time. I didn't read a hundred percent of Watchmen the first time I was supposed to read it. I am uh, historically (sighs) a very bad student and this (laughs) even spilled over into an academic summer camp that I was not technically being graded on. But uh, so I didn't actually a hundred percent finish Watchmen. Like I knew what happened but I hadn't like I actually, I got pretty far. Like, I read, I feel like I remember the last page that I read back then was, like, the, like, page when Rorschach is leaving Adrian's, like, leaving Ozymandias's lair and Dr. Manhattan, like, blows him up. Like, I was, I was, like, very close to the full end of the comic. I just, like for whatever reason did not actually finish it so like i knew what happened but reading it this time was the first time that i fully like read through the whole comic like start mm-hmm. to finish and i mean like i knew what happened but i still enjoyed the murder mystery aspect of it like i still enjoyed like the the trying to figure out like what all of the machinations were behind what was happening. Like, mm-hmm. cause you know that certain characters have certain parts of it figured out, but nobody has the full picture because like, I mean, nobody's Ozymandias, like <laughs> n- nobody, nobody's in there until they hack into his computer. But I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I didn't expect this comic to hold up as much as it did on reread, and I, like, had a really good time. Heck yeah. And I have to be honest, it's not really, I don't think it's dumbing it down at all to to, to call Watchmen a murder mystery, because no. structurally, you know, it is, a, it is a noir detective story, really. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, like, each issue sort of focuses on a, a different character as its, like, point of view character. But Rorsch- the, the 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 running through line is Rorschach investigating the the death of the comedian and mm-hmm. everything really like no matter how tertiary the flashback may seem like is in service of you know giving the reader if not you know Rorschach himself mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know the the necessary information to. Uh, set up for you know the grand reveal at the end right and i mean it's interesting it's, though because it's, it's like it's, sorry it, it is it is you know it's, it's it's this murder mystery but the reason i i guess i said that or felt like that is that like there's so much substance around it though like the world is so alive and it's just like ridiculous how how well everything else is going and how you know engaging everything is even just like the lives of the people around them like on the street and you know the newspaper guy and all that kind of stuff yeah, I mean, I, I I love the interstitials with the 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 newspaper guy running the um running the newspaper stand just just because of the way that that those sort of change as the world changes, um and the way that like 
he continuously tries to like rationalize the impending end of the world in like a nuclear apocalypse um as you know the first person who sees the news for the next day um because that's mm-hmm. how it worked before you know we had the internet <laughs> um and, and and him just sort of like he just stands out there and sells the news to people and you know grapples with it and everything from like you know letting the the kid reading the or letting letting the kid reading the the black freighter comic just being being like no take that for free when he sees the soviets have invaded afghanistan because it's like oh this is a it doesn't nothing matters anymore he gives him his hat too and then you know sort of they're trying to rationalize like oh well we we should definitely just like wipe them out first right like morally it makes sense like even if their women and children die morally it makes sense to do that to protect our women and children you know Mm -hmm. like just the ways that he tries to rationalize it i think yeah And, and like a guy who's saying stuff like that where like i don't agree with it but he's still like a character I really connected with. Well, it's really also like... that's how people rationalize things like that. Most world events, and, and, and I mean, this mm-hmm. is also like a big theme of Watchmen is that most of what happens is out of the hands of normal people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in, yeah. in, in a tr- and again, one of the things that contrasts it with superhero comics, right? In a superhero comic, you know, you can put on a, a green hat and a, and, a, and a green frilly costume and pick up a bow and arrow and you can call yourself green arrow and stop the the worst injustices of the world mm-hmm. right but you know no matter how hard they try and how close they get like rorschach and night owl can't do that <laughs> you know they they don't have it's it's amazing like how like when you get to the conclusion of watchmen you realize how little agency they had the whole time. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, it's important that the rug pull is only at the very end because, you know, it's not much of a story if you think that every, it's not much of a story if you're Dr. Manhattan and perceiving it all at the same time, you know, but mm-hmm. um, you, when you go back and reread it, knowing how it ends, it's like, yeah, this, like what they're doing is, is not actually going to stop the, the, is not actually going to stop Ozymandias' plan at the end of the day, yeah. no can matter I, how hard they try. Can and, I say, uh, just on the topic of, like, tertiary characters, that even though I don't like where the writing goes for this character, that I fully stand Joey the lesbian car, cab driver. <laughs> she gets dealt a, a bad, a bad I part I don't the end. like the way that that plot line is resolved. I think that it's bad and bad writing. But uh, up until that last <laughs> bit, I actually fully love Joey the lesbian cab driver. Yeah, she's she's great, and that that turn at the end is just like okay. So she's it's very weird and mostly in service of like a different character's yeah, like actualization. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it is happening. At, like that scene happens like in concert with the the sort of psychic attack from the yeah yeah the yeah monster so but it's, it's not like, like the uh it's not so, like those characters aren't I, they're not act they're not acting normally i guess sure um but mm. yeah um so i don't know speaking of speaking of characters we are, we are called you know crying crying in the book club um which which watchman character do you guys think cries the most cries the most hmm. yeah 
Who's the if, saddest? I mean, I feel like character? Rory cries the most, like so, just categorically. Lori, so yeah, Silk Spectre definitely cries the most in the comic. Yeah. <clears throat> um, like in terms of seeing people crying on the page, it's definitely her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and but I think that in terms of like actual, like, you know, including all the off-screen crying, it's definitely Night Owl. Yeah, I, uh, I wrote Oh, down. 100%. <laughs> he cries so much off screen. Yeah, because I think we, like, in the, the Silk Spectre's story here is, like, it's ultimately leading, like, to, to the end, which is when she has this, like, big breakdown because she realizes, you know, the can be, basically her whole world is shattered by the revelation, but by A, you know, the fact that Dr. Manhattan is totally indifferent to her, and B, uh, the revelation that the comedian is her father. Yeah. And and so like when we see her crying at the end, it's like, it's all of the pent up emotions from like being yeah. forced to be the silk specter, uh, you know, coming to hate the comedian, you know, you know, uh, sort of uh, externally hating being a superhero, but yeah. internally actually kind of enjoying it and missing it yeah. and resenting the fact that it was taken away from her. Um, and also now resenting the fact that like, uh, you know, her budding relationship with Night Owl seemingly has been taken away from her. So, like, that all, the culmination mm-hmm. there is, it is the culmination of her just letting everything out. I think before that, she probably didn't cry very much because she's, you know, no. she's, like, she's a very, like, 80. Well, they've like, all been a, repressing a lot. Yeah, but I think oh, Night yeah. Owl represses it the least. Like, it, he, as Silk Spectre says, he is he is a very repressed man. Um, but, but he's I also think he, got a lot of privilege. I think he cries himself True. to sleep most nights, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think before. Rorschach never cries. No. Um, no. Well, not anymore. You know, as a kid, he did. As a kid, he did. But but yeah. After, oh, yeah. Yeah. after that, never, it, never and again. I think, I think also like a, just just a relationship between a night owl and uh, and Hollis Mason, where. It, in the book and to Hollis, it's like, oh, like, oh man, like, why are you still coming out? I'm an old man. Like, you shouldn't come, you know, see me. Like, you know, you're, you're a young guy. You got lots of friends and stuff to do. But really, like, Dan needs Hollis so much in those in those times he goes to them. He's like his, his only yeah. human connection. They I, absolutely I don't think Hollis need knows it. each other. Yeah. And then he gets murdered. Yeah. Couldn't have happened to a nicer man. Yeah. Maybe. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, really, like, Night Owl is the, in a lot of ways, is the emotional center of the book, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's the one who, I mean, Rorschach, I- I- unless you're a kind of weird little psycho freak, is not really a particularly relatable character. Um, yeah. And, and despite being, you know, a frequent POV character, uh, but but Night Owl is the character who is the most... The mo- I, I guess empathetic is probably the word that I'm looking for here. I, I was gonna say uh, something else that didn't quite uh, quite make sense, <laughs> but he's. I think he's certainly the most empathetic in the sense that, like, he's the one who is, you know, constantly extending this like sort of hand of friendship to Rorschach. Yeah, he's the one who is like he's ultimately the one who like kind of breaks out of, out of his like sort of malaise of, of post superheroics life when he, you know, tells Silk Spectre like, Oh yeah, you know, you can, you can stay with me. Yeah. You know, he's the, he's the first one to like have some degree of like self of like actualization within the plot of, of the comic. Right. Um, yeah. 
and and eventually I think the other other characters get that. Um, but he's the he's the one who I think is the my reading of this is is, is that he's the one that the readers are reader that readers are sort of meant to latch I mean, on to. He's, he's the, like cons- he's like consistent too. He's he, he, yeah, he's not a yeah. character of high extremes. Um, you know, as much as you cannot be a character of high extremes when this is happening, you know, in your in, in your life and everything. Um, but yeah. Um, what about what about good old what about good old Doctor Manhattan who we haven't really talked about? I I really Doctor like, Manhattan's it, a dick. He is, but like I, he's also I, absolutely the most tragic character in Watchmen. He is, and that you know that his origin story that's told, and I really like how they you know introduce the characters first a lot of the time, and then you know pull it back and like you know give snippets of their life either through the prose or actual issues like the the clockmaker's is a clockmaker's son is that what the chapter yeah clockmaker's son is uh, which is just such a such a good such a good um issue where you learn that he's hey he's a kid whose dad was a watchmaker he wanted to be a watchmaker and then his dad learned about the atom bomb and was like oh this is no longer your life he became a physicist uh you know medic met a girl he liked and then accident boom dr manhattan it's just yeah. like and, 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 and that's all he liked yeah 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 and, and that's all like that origin story is a very classic like superhero origin story you know it's like oh oh yeah it has an accident and gets superpowers and, and that's not even the part that i mean when i'm talking about like the the great tragedy of dr manhattan really is that like uh, like he, 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 and and they do such a good job of like getting across the way that he perceives things that are happening, mm-hmm. which is just so it's so brutal to to sort of understand because you you meet him early on and it's like oh he's just like he's an asshole he hates Silk Spectre, um like he's emotionally abusive like he's I just a I feel like hate is a strong word. Well, maybe not. Okay, yeah, hate is a strong word, but he's definitely like hate is a know, strong word. But he really, really, really doesn't care about her. Yeah, yeah. And, and like yeah, and 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 he seems to have that same sort of, you know, he, he has that same sort of like apathy towards most other people. Yeah, he, he seems arrogant, like, and oh, it's like not his fault. You know, it's like yeah, it's like oh, this is just a guy who like got superpowers and it went to his head because he's super mm-hmm. powerful, and then you realize sort of over the course of that issue that he you know is he's just incapable he he can't perceive reality in that in that way anymore and yeah and it's it's such a i i think that like it's it's i i personally think that it's a his is 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 the most you know tragic story here like that he had his humanity ripped away from him to the point where he literally has to be convinced that you know there's any value uh, to you know, life and and being human, you know. Um, I don't disagree. Like, I like they're on the one hand. Like, when I do think about Doctor Manhattan, I'm like, you're just kind of a dick, and like you, like, say that you care about people, but you end up like forgetting about that as well like you can't even remember that lori needs to breathe on mars like right like i i'm willing to i'm willing to admit that part of that is like you know it's not like it's his fault like he's not 
actively making the choice to be the way that he is but at the same time that doesn't make it any less frustrating no he sure. uh, yeah he's definitely frustrating it's frustrating and you know you he's not particularly like it's 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 hard to empathize with him that for for sure yeah um, but it's not like his sort of like apathy isn't like it's not callous or malicious and it's I, just that I like honestly, he has i i felt like i probably felt more like sympathy for dr manhattan when i was a younger person reading this book than i do now well, yeah i mean i mean just for a variety of reasons and i'm willing to admit that that's also just like personal bias Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, he, he's also just like, but he's also, I mean, like Rorschach and Night Owl, he's totally been stripped of his autonomy. The difference yeah. is that, like, he knows it. Like, he knows that, like, there's nothing he can do that will change the outcome. And and what would, like, how, like, how would you respond to that in, in any way other than his sort of, like, nihilism? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I can't the even most imagine. Powerful being on on the planet, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, he's so powerful and everything." He's just like caught in a reality where his decisions don't matter because they're already pre made in his mind. Yeah, yeah. He's and, and and obviously that changes at the end. At the end, he has an epiphany and he goes and creates the new fifty two. Uh, we'll we'll get to that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, boy, oh boy. Actually, the end of Doomsday Clock. Oh, oh we're not um, gonna. We're we're not yeah. gonna. I'll give you guys the the, the, the light on it. Uh, but uh, I mean... hmm? oh, go ahead. No, just um, uh, and then what was I gonna say? Uh, so yeah, like with, with Watchmen, it's you know we've said it a lot, but it's like twelve issues. It creates this world that feels huge, and it feels you know it's got a past, it's got a present. It's, mm-hmm. you know, at the end, it, it does have a future. We're not sure where it's going to go. And there's, there's stories to be told. Um, no. So, well, <laughs> there are stories that are happening, whether they're going to be told or not, you know, is, is a separate thing, but it's a universe that feels like lived in and that it will be lived in, which, which is cool. Um, and that has led to a lot of Watchmen spinoffs. There's, you know, the movie, uh, which me and Emily both watched today uh, yeah, for the um... first time. Alex, you you watched the whole movie. Yeah. How did you feel about it? Like from a from a plot perspective, it was cool to read the graphic novel, and I finished that like last week, and then you know watched the movie, and it's like, yep, yeah, they're going through the movie it. sucks, Alex. Going through it's terrible, and the, the the switch at the end this doesn't make any fucking sense. No, okay, no well, sense. Hold on, I I don't like the movie ending but i also feel like if you're trying to kind of pare down the story for a movie it makes a little more sense to just try to blame it on dr manhattan than it does to yeah the big squid but my issue with that is like dr manhattan is an american asset so like i don't know if that would unite the world that you, the, you know the u.s got well, the idea by is like own asset. dr manhattan is going rogue i guess yeah yeah but i i think you'd get a little less sympathy where it's like hey you held this gun over our heads for so many years and sure blew up on you whereas and, like i mean the I alien don't want... from space is like oh my gosh i mean at, like as it stands i don't feel like the plan would have worked i don't feel like the actual like coming together would have actually happened i mean that's the 
And I mean, that's that's the point of Watchmen, the comic. That's the ending, right? Is that like the ending is that Rorschach's journal gets run in the Frontiersman and the whole thing falls apart. Well, I mean, it's open to interpretation whether people take that seriously, right? Like the comic, you can kind of take it more in an either or. But like the movie just sort of like kind of hand waves like like the printing of watchman's journal uh, the printing of rorschach's <laughs> journal does like happen but it's not like like it's just sort of part of the ending it's not necessarily like whether or not it like changes any sort of tide mm-hmm yeah, for, just for the movie, which yeah, I guess I mean, it's, it's not in the comic either. But I, I do read the ending of the comic as, you know, this is something that is good because there were oh, people yeah. who read the Frontiersman and took it ser- like no, and, and, and took it seriously. And I, I, I and I think that the comic does sort of like there there is a better case for that in the comic. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, actually, I mean, bad movie. Well, let me just say, I think we yeah, both said it that. Sucks. Um, but, you know, I, I did read Doomsday Clock. I won't talk about it a lot, but that is where Doomsday Clock picks up, where like, hey, this was published in the New Frontiersman and people are coming for Adrian and, you know, the nukes are back in play. Um, that all happens. And <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Ozymandias, uh, he, he hops worlds and goes to the DC universe and Dr. Manhattan's hiding there because he cre- created DC Comics Rebirth. And he was actually, he was the reason... It's funny because in, in a meta way, I kind of like this, but not actually because uh, the, the way they explained it is that Dr. Manhattan was hiding in the DC universe and making it edgy, gritty, got rid of relationships, basically created a new 52, but also like b- before that too, or he like, he made these stories in, in a way he is the epitome of people reading Watchmen and taking the grim dark and writing about them, which is what happened, you know, in a lot of DC comics after Watchmen where, where people got uh, the wrong message in my opinion where it's like hey well we'll just put some ultra violence in there and we'll make you know these dark characters who don't you know love anyone or anything that's that's well, we got the killing you. joke out of it we got one good thing but again alan moore so <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean so so it was kind of funny that in doomsday clock the, the like the actual legitimate explanation of why like hey the justice society isn't around the legion of superheroes isn't there is because dr manhattan and watchmen got rid of them and then at the end, it's Superman who inspires Doctor Manhattan the same way that 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 Laurie inspires him, you know, in the in in the actual book. And it ends with them all coming back for DC Comics. Um, yeah, you know what? Re- reading those two close together really, um, even me, just makes me feel <laughs> sick. It's just like, oh man, like, oh man, and oh, just just bad, just just bad. Doomsday Nobody bad. asked you to read that and i know i i was too not to jean-luc fought back a few times like no please don't please don't but you know i read it and, and i'm glad i did because it like you know it, it is really taken that thing where like watchman is this great world it's got a lot of stuff and none of the stories that have been told expanding it have even come close to the original which is you know when you don't have the the team that did it telling the story another story if they even want to tell a story which hey why would you need to tell another story watchman's fucking one of the 100 greatest novels of all time according to time magazine <laughs> so um yeah i don't know it, what else is there um watch i mean there was before watchman which I, I remember reading the silk specter miniseries and i thought it was i thought it was pretty good but that was 
I didn't read ago. any of the before Watchmen. I, I, I think that if we had more time, um, I would love to talk about Darwin Cook's fascination with Watchmen um, <laughs> and how he like basically tries to like, I, man, I, I wish that uh, like, the, I wish that we, I, we could have done like talked about how the new frontier is, is structurally exactly the same as Watchmen. Um, And it's Darwin. And and I love the new frontier. Like I, like I, I, the new frontier is literally up there with Watchmen in terms of like my favorite, some of my favorite, one of my favorite comics, but it is like Darwin cook trying so hard to be like, no guys, please. I'm begging you not to just keep doing Watchmen over and over (laughs) and like right down to like, Wonder Woman is about to like do like some horrific act of of uh, w- w- like Wonder Wo- like th- like the Wonder Woman Superman in Vietnam scene literally mirrors the like uh, yeah. the, the the comedian Doctor Manhattan scene where you know instead of the comedian shooting his pregnant mistress in the head. Uh, Wonder Woman frees a bunch of like captured uh, Vietnamese women and and leads them to kill a bunch of uh, soldiers. Like it literally, it's it, it's like like literally, it's it's just and you see it so you see it so much in in stuff like that. Yeah. Um. I, and I would love I you know I could if I had time to like if I had like gone through and reread New Frontier and also like Darwin Cook Silk Spectre I would have loved to like really yeah. talk about the. <laughs> the connections there but neither yeah. here nor there i mean Dar- yeah. yeah and darwin cook really was like okay we're gonna put watchmen in continuity but we'll call it the new frontier here we go so i mean fantastic work too um so again this is a gun to your head situation and you can't pull the trigger jean-luc um but you know if after reading just watchmen what part of it would you like to see explored and you know maybe explored explored by alan moore and dave gibbons even like let's mm-hmm. say they're they're the ones see, steering the ship what what would you like to see, see them that's the do? thing that that isn't compelling to me because like I, yeah like i love alan moore and dave gibbons as creators like i think both of them mm-hmm. obviously i love watchmen i love work that they've done since then independent of what like independent of one another and i i want to you know hopefully end off on talking about some like technical stuff <laughs> in watchmen that i really like mm-hmm. um like craft craft level stuff but like it's not a compelling question to me because like the intent of you know watchmen is that it is a 12 it is a 12 issue story it is a self-contained story that's it hands off you know yeah. okay dust, dust hands clean, I, let it go. I actually didn't read my question properly uh it's if you were if you had to do it alan Morday gibbons they hate you they're like jean-luc please please don't do anything else with watchmen but you're like i got the dc money kid and now you're writing something. So wh- wh- where are you going? What are you exploring? What characters are you doing? <laughs> like I said, I think I'm pulling the trigger. You can't. I'm sorry. There's there's no gun. Um, oh God, that's tough. I mean, I, I, I think the... I honestly think that, like, what I'm doing is probably before Watchmen, but mm-hmm. not... But good. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I think, I, like, there's no, there's no, to me, there's no other compelling answer to this question because I think the the future of this universe, like, it, it is not compelling to ask the question what happens in Watchmen after the end of Watchmen. Um, but, you know, I, I think you could, if you wanted to tell a compelling story about the Minutemen or you could tell the story that is constantly alluded to of 
Rorschach and Night Owl taking down, you know, the criminal underbelly. I, like th- those are the stories that I yeah. think there you could find value in telling if you were doing it for a reason other than a cynical cash grab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, I, like, I think that there are there are things there. I, you could also do, like, a really sicko, like, hard, like, right-wing, you know, early 2000s Frank Miller comedian thing <laughs> that I think could be fun. Uh, like, you could do, like, the Batman reptilian for, for, for the comedian. Sure, <laughs> sure. Um, you, you know, I, I think but, it's funny that, you know, you had a gun to your head a second ago, and now you're like, I got two ideas. Maybe I got more. So I, I like that. I mean, it's not that I don't – it's not that there aren't things that, like – it's not that I hate the idea of expounding on the characters in the universe of Watchmen. Yeah. It's that – every attempt at doing so has been nothing but a cynical attempt to cash in on, uh, on, on, on its name. You know, it's, it's it's become a franchise. So it's just, it's just hard. Yeah. And I would rather, if, if I could, you know, Dr. Manhattan laser out all of everything (laughs) Watchmen related after the book, I would do that. Heck yeah. And it has nothing to do with the quality of the individual, like, you know, TV shows or comics or, or even though they all suck, it, it just happens that they all suck. Like some of, you know, if, <laughs> even if some of them had been good, I would believe the same thing, you know? I, yeah. Sure. Where would you go, Emily? I mean, like, obviously like this is not going to surprise anybody, but like, I would do like a mini series about like Minutemen era silhouette. Like, oh, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just like no question. I knew that this that this question was coming, and that was gonna be my answer. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to know about the lesbian. Come on, tell, tell us, tell us. And I haven't read any of the like ancillary material for Watchmen, so I have no mm-hmm. idea if they. I think there's a silhouette mini. Yeah i I had a wrong. feeling that there was probably some sort of. Yeah. like one issue or something it's, it's one of those things done. that the um the Zack snyder film it sort of shows like all the heroes of the men of men the ones that die it shows them dying in like the intro and it's like really long and really bad um but it's and like shorter by far the most brutal okay i will say oh, yeah. though that like the like her doing the kiss is like iconic like oh yeah yeah, yeah. Like, absolutely groundbreaking meant a lot to me as a, like, a, a tiny queer child. Like, absolutely incredible. Okay, we say one nice thing about the Zack But that movie but that sucks. And the rest of the way that they handle that character also sucks. <laughs> yeah, uh, for me, it would probably be just a Black Freighter comic book. So like you don't even yeah. have to talk about Watchmen, but like I don't know, it's kind of like I I, I kind of like that that uh that horror comic where it's like hey, oh no. So um I ordered dinner because I thought we were gonna be done. I'm gonna have to go grab it and then I will be right back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> I I feel like that's cheating, Alex. Uh. Well, you'll never know. Uh, like. Like, if your answer to, I mean, I guess, like, if, if you wanted one part of the Watchmen universe to be expounded on, yeah, I, I don't necessarily disagree that, like, the fictional comics are interesting. Um, that doesn't feel in the spirit of the question, but it's a good answer. Well, 
as the Tom King maker. tried to do that. Did he? Isn't that what isn't that what the Rorschach mini is about? Well, it's I, not. I didn't make it long enough. It's not the Black Freighter, well, literally, but it's Rorschach about is like, it's about the writer of the Black Freighter. Yeah, right? that's it, the mystery it, like, they're trying to solve. After, yeah, it, yeah, again, so like in a way, it's like, hey, Tom King is writing a Watchmen where there's a murder mystery that's like cool. Too bad it's boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on a on a, on a you know, huh? Craft level. On a, yeah, I was I was gonna on a on a more positive note. Yes. Um. Th- there's just some 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 craft stuff in this book that is really good. I, I really want to talk about uh, Alan Moore's prose. Um. For for people for the you know three people who listened to the comics podcast, you'll know that one of the things that we mm-hmm. would harp on a lot is comic books being, especially superhero comics, being really overwritten and really over reliant on uh narration and prose but the problem often was that it was not very good um and there is such a rhythm to the prose here uh and the way that it's the way that it's presented you know like there is a lot of dialogue there's a lot of dialogue i think there's there's probably more dialogue at the end of the day but the prose that you're getting you know you get rorschach's journal you get dr manhattan's like explaining what you know going through time um you get uh the the psychologist the psychiatrist's uh uh internal monologue you do, his like memos that he's writing himself and you get it from all these different characters and each of those each one of those uh in monologue internal monologues each one of those pieces of prose takes on a different tone that it does yeah yeah like it does tell you a lot about the interiority of the characters but also each of those different uh like each of those different like parts of the story like rhythmically just fit into the comic and i think it's a testament to like how closely Morin gibbons worked on the book to the point where like literally like they would like more would go over to gibbons house and like look at the panel layouts and be and, and gibbons would be like there's i there's too much text in your script here can we do something and and we're like yeah. yeah we can cut it you know and there's a rhythm to that to the to the storytelling and to the mm-hmm. way that the, that monologue is placed and the way that all the dialogue is placed and a lot yeah. of it comes down to the nine panel grids which at the time were unheard of because it was you know it was comics were about these like big these big splashy images like you know you have these big double page spreads or you know big full page like poses you know you didn't have these nine panel grids and and, and i'm you know i I, i'm on record i really like it when comics break the structure of just like gridding every page i love i mean um but it's you know it's 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 different when you're uh when you're just copying watchmen for the sake of copying watchmen you're like hey i've got nine panel grids therefore it's art like yeah (laughs) yeah right therefore it's serious yeah i I mean like you know andrea sorrentino is probably my favorite artist working right now and that's a guy who like takes a fucking sledgehammer to every nine panel grid he sees you know oh yeah um but there's something that like in watchmen because it sticks to the structure so religiously a I, I think it has this really potent effect of like feeling really claustrophobic and like the characters are boxed in absolutely um mm-hmm. like basically from the beginning like they are they exist in these small snippets and that is a really effective tool yeah. but also and i mean this is the great thing is that you know 
the best rule, like the best part about rules is that you can break them. And so <laughs> there's nothing here that like, there's no page here where there's like, you know, there's no page here that has like, you know, a, a, an ovular shaped panel or whatever. It all exists in these grids, but it's the merging of those panels that, you know, when you break structures, like, oh, this is something that is like, this is important, you know, when the the, the best example, I mean, there's a lot of great examples of this, but the best example is the last issue opening on, I think it's five pages that are just all the full page, full page spreads of the tentacles in Mm -hmm. New York City that don't even give you the full scope of what's happened. (laughs) Like you just are assaulted with these, these big images and it's so different from what you see before that it conveys such a sense of scale to mm-hmm. the to to what's happened uh to, to to what ozymandias has done and that happens like at a bunch of different spots throughout the book you know when you when you have a, a panel layout that's a, a three panel grid three three panels on at the top three panels at the bottom and then like you know two panels and then two panels in the middle like one of like the the two panels on the left merge and the panel on the right, you know, still on its own. And it shows you like, it's like extending the shot of like, this is, you know, pay attention to this. This mm-hmm. is important. And I love like when, you know, the sort of proverbial camera zooms out and how that gets used um, in the comic is such an important part of the storytelling mm-hmm. that, that I think like, and, and there are some cases where like, you know, I, I, there are some cases in contemporary comics where like this, this had this similar, you know, contemporary creators have employed similar, similar techniques for sure. I'm not, not, not to take away from them, but there is something unique about the way that, uh, or at least it feels unique about the way that, you know, it's stuff that's like missable. And that's part of what makes it so incredible is that it's not like trying to like draw your eyes to it and be like, this is so important. It's super important. It feels like, like Watchmen, like, like no matter what corner you turn, like you know, Moore and Gibbons give us twelve issues, uh, you know, twenty-seven pages. I think an issue. There might be a couple oversized ones in there, um, but it feels like if this was a film, and if you turn the camera, there would be so much more there. And it feels like a world where, like, it's it's so three hundred and sixty degrees. It's it's so it's so uh, it, it feels so lived in, and that's part of what makes the whole like, hey, it's got such a rich history around it, and there's so much to explore in it, and it feels like a real universe with continuity and everything because it feels so real because the details are there but also like you know the macro things are there i mean i could sit here and talk about i love talking about watchmen i could talk about watchmen for another two (laughs) hours i don't know if you guys want to listen or if anyone wants to you know hear me talk about watchmen for another two hours we said this we said that this podcast would be 10 minutes long and i was lied to so um (laughs) sorry I, i will say um just sort of speaking on uh Speaking on like Watchmen related media, I mm-hmm. actually watched the first episode of the Watchmen motion comic. Oh. oh, so what what does that entail? I would love to tell you about it because actually I really like the Watchmen it's, motion comic. It's actually cool. It's actually very cool it's i kind of expected it to be more of a like a i expected it to be more of like a slideshow ish of like Mm -hmm. panels from the comic with like narration but actually it's got like a lot of 
it's like actually animated. Yeah, like, I, I was surprised earlier. I meant to chime in when you guys were talking about this earlier, but this is like this was a big deal when it came. I remember this being a big deal when it came out. I was not um, aware of it until recently. Is it is it voiced or is it like it's is voiced, it is, yeah. It's like okay. one guy doing the like, so it's like, like he it's does an audiobook. The, yeah, it it's audiobook style. So hmm. I feel like I feel like if this had been like fully voice acted that this would be like the definitive adaption of Watchmen. Yeah, interesting. I mean, there's music and everything. Yeah, like it's like I mean, it's the the animation I would kind of describe as being sort of like it's similar to like flash animation in like the mm. the the movement, but like it's really well executed and yeah. like mm. It, is it to go panel like does it i mean it is I think fully I've done something. like it is fully an adaptation of watchmen the comic everything that is yeah. in watchmen the comic is in watchmen like literally like it is literally they just animated each panel and yeah transitioned because i remember something on like i, I don't uh, a few years ago i read it on comiXology but it was something where like there was like movement to it, where but it literally went like panel to panel. So is this well, like that's, that's a the, panel that's to panel? Comicsology guided view, which is oh yeah, that that's okay. guided view. That so does it does it panel to panel, or is it like a seamless? No, like, this next, is like next, next, next. It's like scenes. Like uh, honestly, like Alex, you should really at least like watch a little bit of it after this, like yeah, or yeah. at some point, you know. I'm I'm happy to hear that it's not like like I shit. I genuinely <laughs> so. like. I got to the end of the first episode and even like knowing how Watchmen goes and like having read it recently, I like wanted to watch the next episode, but we were going to have to record soon. So I did. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is still the case since apparently it's on HBO Max now, but at one point the whole thing was on YouTube. Oh, okay. Um, I'm sure I can find it online. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely on HBO Max, so it is yeah. probably online. It's like 12 yeah. episodes because I'm it's like an episode per issue. Yeah. I'm also trying to remember there was something about the release of this that was interesting, but I, or at least I remember there being something about the release of this that was interesting that I read about like years ago, but I can't remember what it is now and I can't find it. So Hmm. like, I want to say that it was like, they included it as like a bonus feature on like the, like DC animated movies or something like, I, huh. I don't I don't know I if that's true, that but like in they just some like capacity. Yeah, they, there was like something weird about the way that it came out, but I I, I yeah. could be wrong about that. I could be conflating it with something else. Well, I hear a sound in the distance, a little oh. a, a little bell chiming, which means that we've reached you know, we're called Crying in the Book Club, so this is our sad space. Um, you know, the part of the show where we say something sad. Well, you know, something that brought us to tears. Just say something sad. Say something sad. <laughs> uh, poverty. Yeah. Sad. Let's go. Undefeated. <laughs> um, no, you know, it's like, uh, it's it inspired by uh, our, our good good friends, Chad and uh, Chad and, um, Chad and Cameron at Opinions Are Cheap. They have their glad space, but we're more emotional than glad. So glad is an emotion, but, you know, sad space. Um, so what did you guys feel sad about this week? Or, you know, get tears from this week. <laughs> I'd go first. <laughs> I would love to hear what has made you sad. 
So, I, I know what made him sad. It's 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 actually sad. Yeah, yeah. I decided to kick it off with a real sad one because oh. uh, because my cat Kiara, after oh. twenty years, she sadly passed away. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, she lived twenty years, and I remember I think it was like Christmas time. We we've had multiple like near death scares, so Aww. it's one of those things where it's like, is she gonna live forever? But she is not. But she is buried in the backyard. So you know, nice. if anyone wants to reincarnate Allah afterlife with Archie, give me a shout. Um, but yeah, it's she's a good it, cat. It's very telling that your touchstone there is afterlife with Archie and not <laughs> you know pet cemetery. Well, it's not a full cemetery. It's just, it's just one. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, I'll always always love Kia. Yeah, right, cute cat, and uh, it, they did a really nice. Uh, the vet came in to, to like do it at the home, so we didn't have to like drive Aww. her out. So that's my sad space. That is a very sad space. Yay, uh, Emily, do you do you have one? I mean, kind of. It feels, I, it it feels a little, uh, it feels a little dumb in comparison to like an actual animal death. But um, I, I mean, I watched the season finale of Our Flag Means Death on HBO, and it was nice. very sad, and it it made me sad enough to want to cry. So that's my <laughs> sad space. It's a good sad space, John Luke. Um, I, wow, I I should have I should have come prepared. Uh, I'm going to do something really lame and say I saw, which, you know, this is going to be outdated by the time this episode comes out. Sure. No one knows. I, 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 I saw everything everywhere all at once. Oh, and... I'm seeing oh, cool. that literally in two days. I am seeing that for, it's my birthday in a couple Yay! of days. So I am making my wife go see that with me. Nice. Well, don't let anything that I say color your expectations. I know that I, you didn't I was enjoy really, it. I was really excited for it. I thought it looked fantastic. And it came out and I and, and I like wasn't able to go see it like when it came out. It, it's been out in theater. It's actually it's, it's theater run is expanded, nice. which is cool. I, I'm not going to like, you know, be mad about and and a more a smaller movie getting a theater expansion. We should have more of that. <laughs> um, but I was, uh, yeah, really bummed that I did not, which, God, uh-huh. this sounds so lame, but I, I, I was really bummed that I just, you know, didn't really care for it. I, uh-huh. I really wish that I had liked that movie. Well, um, yeah. I mean, movies are very but important. You know what? I feel uh, like it is a perfectly normal reaction to be excited for a movie and then it not be as good as you thought it was going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, the good news is um, tomorrow or uh, th- three months ago, depending on when this episode comes out. <laughs> you don't have out, to talk about it. Oh, uh, I'm, no, it's, uh, it's we're doing it. I mean, this is intentional. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm uh, going to see The Northman. So <gasps> I'm very excited for that. And I know you're excited for, I mean, a lot of reasons. The Anya Taylor joy of it all. Um, I am also very excited. You know, for I love that. Robert, it's Robert like, Edgar. You know, I'm just so glad that finally they're putting uh, fascist movies back in theaters. 
And on that note, we've reached the end <laughs> of up. our oh, first man. episode. <laughs> Thank you, Chad. Lots of people are. Uh, it's just a dig at all the idiots who are like, "Oh, it's Norse mythology. It's a, it's a Norse movie. It's uh, only Nazis like the Norse." Stuff. Yeah, that, the that's the, that that's also the makes me cry. Seeing that. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You can only be sad about one thing per that, episode. That level of media literacy. Yeah, my goal is to have a, a happy cry next time, but we'll see how that goes. Um, but that brings well, you us. You called it a sad space. If you called it. If we start okay. to the original idea, sad was and glad rhyme, so which was that, cry space, I would have said something that made me cry because I, I was happy about it. But instead, okay, well, it's called the sad space. You know, maybe we'll cut a cry space next time. We'll we'll talk next about time. This. It'll be a cry space. Yeah, the we don't have need, voted. We don't need to air our podcast planning stuff out. Yeah, to the public. yeah, that's for our Patreon subscribers. But anyway, exactly. thank you. Thank you for stopping by and, you know, hearing us talk about Watchmen, which is a book that we all enjoyed. And I'm glad that we got to talk about, um, you know, one of the greatest graphic novels of all time on our first episode. Uh, do, do you guys want to reveal what our second episode's going to be about? We I got to say, it's like, you know, good luck to whatever follows up. But um, from what I've heard about this one and, uh, you know, all the things, <laughs> it is it is Scott Pilgrim vs. The World um, by... By, by by Mr. Brian Lee O'Malley, who you might know from Snot Girl, so yeah, his much more famous. Work. Yeah, his Snot Girl. <laughs> hey, if they released more issues, I'd be happier person. <laughs> but I'm not. Uh, yeah, so that's that'll be the next episode released. Uh, I'm very excited. This is a this is a biweekly show, so if you're coming next week for an episode, you're gonna have to listen to this one again. Um, sorry, <laughs> them the rules. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Emily, Jean-Luc, thank you for letting me host this first episode. We're going to be rotating as we go on. Thank and, you. Uh, I'm, I'm so happy to be doing this show with you guys. Yeah, I'm yeah. happy to be able to put podcaster back in my Twitter bio. Yeah, it was a, it was a rough time. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you can so check us out on Twitter. Me. You can check us out on Twitter. And our goal is to tweet more in the first uh, two months than the comics podcast ever did. <laughs> That's our goal. Yes. We'll see if it we'll see if it comes up. But it uh, will. You you should follow it. Uh, the yeah, Twitter. It, it's it, at Crying Book Club. It, yeah. Crying in the book club, I believe, was taken. Um, <laughs> but at Crying Book Club is is our Twitter handle. Yeah. Um. You know, obviously, we will post links to our episodes cringe. there and or, and cringe. Yeah. We will yeah, post yeah. cringe. You can find uh, Mr. Jean Luc on Twitter. It was funny, you know, we used to not know where he was at and he wouldn't, he wouldn't reveal it, but in the last, like, 100 episodes of the Comics Podcast, he did. So you will know that he is Mountain Dew Liker, MT Dew Liker, and you can find it on Letterboxd. Are you, are you uploading again? I mean, you, you have such, like, a vast, uh, like, stockpile of great Letterboxd reviews that, you know, there's stuff for people to find, but is that I, something you're getting back into? I'm mostly just, I mean, I, I log everything that I see on Letterboxd, so you can go see my star ratings and... If you have questions, if you know there's not a review attached to them, which norm there there normally isn't, uh, you know you can ask me about it. I don't know. You can yeah, write yeah. more reviews. Gave, put Sean Luke to work, please. You can ask me why I gave everything everywhere all at once two and a half stars, and I gave ambulance four stars. You know, I you, will you, ask you this you after I. Oh wow! You we buried the lead. We should we should scrap um, this episode. And just tell I actually that. No. do want to hear about ambulance, but that's oh, neither here nor. But again, that's a Patreon exclusive thing. Uh, Emily, <laughs> Twitter is at mpandanata. Her letterbox also at pandabor. Are, are you updating your letterbox there? I well? do. Or? I uh, I mean, I upload letterboxed whenever I watch a movie. So 
like Heck yeah. you know it's that's not, not true it's mostly true. the watchman today uh, uh, no i didn't i actually okay i did not put watchman <laughs> up there but i mean i'm planning on doing it after no i just forgot to <laughs> do it when i watched it earlier today Damn. No, it Damn, damn, damn. I uh, am planning on doing it after we finish recording this. Awesome. And podcasts, this is not the only one where you can find um Emily at. You can listen to Imagine Me and Utina. Fresh Podcast Market, which I listened to an episode for the first time today. Wow! I liked it. And I want another episode, so I'm I'm now an annoying fan. Wow. I wanna be I, I wanna guest on. I need to guest on that show. Yeah. I used to guest slot four years ago. No, I uh, mean like <laughs> guest slot's always open. And my, uh, I have are... a, a new podcast that I think should have its first episode out by the time this goes up called... Uh, that looks terrible. That looks terrible. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I, so check that out. We'll we'll talk about it also when it comes out, although it might already be out by the time you s- listen to this podcast. Who and knows? of course, check out Emily on Twitch at Pandabore. Yeah. Doing, doing some fun stuff. Uh, your Ace Attorney. I have been playing the Ace Attorney games. A great series. A great game. Um, and, you know, that reaches the end of a show. And uh, if you thought this was our last episode, you should know that in, in the end, n- n- nothing ends. Is that the quote? That's not the quote. You are-